Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of What the Heck is Crypto. I'm your host, Steven Cesaro, and we've got another great episode for you today. We're going to be talking a little bit later about the app chain thesis, what this means for you as a potential crypto investor. Uh, first, though, let's check out the markets. Uh, quick update there. Crypto continued ripping this week. Uh, Bitcoin rocketed up over 15% from our last episode where we were already uh, on a pretty good one. It topped out at about 21.6K earlier this week before a bit of a sell-off yesterday. We're sort of hanging out in, in no man's land right now. A uh, decent chance we break down lower. Um, also a good chance we sort of uh, consolidate here, maybe break above key resistance and hopefully make a run at uh, 22, 23K next week. The NFT market I've also been taking a look at. I, I feel like we've we've actually bottomed there, uh, definitely in terms of number of sales. Uh, if you check out the charts, it looks like we kind of capitulated into the end of November and have sort of been building a, uh, a base of support and slowly trending up since then. So uh, if you've uh, been meaning to get into NFTs, but it's been kind of a brutal year, I think now could be a good time to uh, check out some quality projects, maybe maybe make some investments because I, I do think the worst of it is over at this point. The Board Ape Yacht Club especially is looking pretty strong. Yuga Labs recently released the Sewer Pass, which is a uh, ticket to play a game they're releasing. It was airdropped for free to all holders, I believe, of Mutant Apes and, uh, and Board Apes. So Board apes and mutants continue to be the the gift that keeps on giving. You've gotten so much free stuff holding these things. Um, the sewer pass, I think, is still trading at about a a one point three ETH floor. So free little two thousand dollar dividend for you if you're uh, holding the mutant ape. Uh, good uh, good for you guys. One interesting thing about the sewer pass is that it looks like uh, Yuka has basically inserted some code into it to block trading on other exchanges uh, besides OpenSea. And I, I think the reason for this is there's, there's been a bit of a raging debate in the NFT community because OpenSea competitors like, uh, like X2Y2 uh, and LooksRare have sort of been making royalties uh, optional. And artists, creators are obviously not a fan of this because it is um, hampering their, their revenue streams. OpenSea has sort of taken the the opposite approach and said it would uh, support creators who want to basically block their uh, tokens from trading on, on other exchanges. And it, it looks like Yuga has, uh, has done that. I think that's an interesting uh, debate, the debate over royalties, uh, perhaps one we can have uh, in a later episode, but uh, no time for it here today. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the NFT world lately has been the uh, feetpicks.wtf collection. <laughs> This is literally just a collection with uh, uh, pixelated pictures of, of feet. I'm kind of kicking myself because I, I saw somebody post about this on Twitter like first week of January, I think, and they're trading at like 0.008 ETH and, and now they're up at 0.16. So uh, for, for anybody who bought uh, bought when they came out, you've done a uh, 15, 16, 17X or so uh, <laughs> in the span of in the span of just, just two weeks here in, in the new year on uh, digital feet picks. So uh, NFT things, classic. 
Yesterday, we had a, a big announcement by the DOJ, or, or, or so we thought it was going to be a big announcement. There were a lot of rumors swirling that some, some big things might be going down. Crypto sold off heading into this. I think that was also partially due to some stuff we saw happening uh, in macro. But when the, uh, the, the FBI took the microphone yesterday, they, they sort of announced that they were, just, they were arresting the, the, the founder of Russian exchange Bitslotto. And if you've never heard of Russian exchange, Bitslotto, uh, don't feel bad because uh, <laughs> literally nobody else on the planet uh, has either. So uh, that was a, a bit of a, a bit of a nothing burger there. So uh, I think we got a little relief bounce uh, after that happened because, uh, you know, they weren't announcing action against uh, Binance or something more serious. Um, in other news on the announcement front, uh, Genesis uh, Global Capital, the uh, institutional crypto brokerage, has also uh, well ha has announced that they're going to be laying the groundwork for a uh, bankruptcy filing, according to several media reports. Uh, this is something that people have sort of seen coming for a while. I think uh, Genesis, again, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, they had the uh, sort of lending program that a lot of other players in the space were plugging into. Like if you uh, use Gemini Exchange and you use their EARN program, the EARN program basically outsourced all of that, that yield to Genesis. Um, and Genesis was doing some stuff behind the scenes, lending out money. Turned out, as we know, that Genesis was basically lending all the money to the same you know, three people. The same three people were basically swapping money back and forth. You had uh, parties like... Uh, like FTX, Alameda, uh, Three Arrows Capital, uh, created just like a sort of leveraged uh, disaster. And uh, the unwind of all this bad debt is one of the down last year. Uh, Genesis is one of the holdings of uh, DCG, the Digital Currency Group. Um, they also hold uh, famously the, the Grayscale uh, Bitcoin Trust. So looks like DCG is trying to basically, you know, protect the... Uh, rest of its portfolio there, letting Genesis perhaps uh, go under. Like I said, not much of a reaction in the markets on this news. I, I, I don't think it's something you need to worry about at this juncture. I, I think a good case can be made that a lot of this has just been largely priced in by all the, the panic selling we've seen since uh, November. One more thing in the news before we uh, move on to our main topic, and that's that uh, the current... Uh, CEO of FTX, who's been in charge of overseeing the the, the bankruptcy, uh, John Ray, he's, he, he announced that uh, they might, may consider restarting the FTX exchange. That would be an interesting plot twist. I mean, the, the exchange has been lauded by a lot of people because the, the tech in it was pretty good. It was pretty good as far as I could tell. I used to, I used to trade on there, and, and, and I, I do miss uh, trading on the, the engine itself. Uh, I don't miss having having my money robbed, but the, the platform was pretty, pretty good, pretty good tech. So uh, that could be an interesting wrinkle, interesting plot twist in this case, if uh, FTX is able to actually reopen and in doing so recoup uh, some of the money lost by, by actually operating as a business, perhaps make people uh, whole. So keep you posted on that as uh, new developments happen, uh, I'm sure. And without further ado, I want to hop on to our uh, main topic today. I want to talk to you guys a little bit about something um, called the, the app chain thesis. What is this? What does this mean for you as a crypto investor? How can you sort of take action on this thesis if you have a view on it? 
uh, one way or another. So one of the ongoing debates in the, the crypto space has sort of been, where exactly is the value in crypto going to accrue? And what I mean by that is, if, if we look at the, the internet, for example, we have the protocols that everything is sort of built on top of, you know, stuff like uh, HTTP, for example. And then we have the applications that are built on top of the protocols, your Ubers, your, your, your Facebooks of the world, right? Now, in the internet world, the protocols, you know, HTTP, uh, so on and so forth, they've basically captured none of the value of, of the internet. That stuff just all sort of became this, this open infrastructure that everybody built upon, and, and all of the value was captured in the end by the applications, by the Facebooks of the world, by the Snapchats of the world, anybody else who built on those internet rails. So people have been asking for years, like where that value is going to end up accruing in, in crypto. Is it going to be the application layer, the, the, the apps that people use when they use crypto, or is it going to be uh, at the protocol layer? Um, you could think of like uh, an application on Ethereum being something uh, like Uniswap and the protocol itself being Ethereum. Now, in the last bull run, we saw like some mega pumps of these tokens, especially like the DeFi tokens, like, like, like Aave, like Compound, like Uniswap, Maker, these things pumped so hard, even before Ethereum really had its pump, um, sort of on the anticipation, on the hope that there was going to be just tremendous uh, value created here for, for token holders. And, and that did not end up panning out. Uh, DeFi peaked very early in the 2021 crypto cycle, maybe the very beginning of the year uh, or so. And it's just sort of been down only both in, in US dollars and in terms of ETH um, ever since. And it's really important as an investor to measure your return on something in, in terms of ETH, because that's, that's your basis. Like there's no point in investing in Uniswap if you could have made more money by investing in ETH. Like you want to make sure that all your non sort of Bitcoin, non Ethereum, whatever you want to denominate your portfolio in, that stuff has to out earn like the baseline. Otherwise, why are you doing it? So, because Ethereum has rolled out this um, EIP 1559 and we now have staking, um, there's sort of this really nice built in mechanism for the protocol of Ethereum itself to, to capture the value of the users on Ethereum, right? Like anytime you use Ethereum, anytime any application uses Ethereum, smart contracts, whatever, they, they use gas. And anytime gas is used on Ethereum, it's, it's burned. And this, this burn of gas we've talked about in the past is sort of like this just ongoing stock buyback, right? And the more a company takes stock off the market, right? The more the remaining shares of stock tend to be worth. And the same is true on Ethereum. The more Ethereum that gets burned and removed forever from the ecosystem, like the more every individual remaining Ethereum uh, is worth. So. It's been a very consensus bet at this point um, among the you know in, investors in the Ethereum community that the play is to invest in Ethereum. You have this asset, which in the opinion of many people is still you know wildly undervalued for what it's going to do in the future. The market still hasn't really grasped the mechanics of the 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 burn mechanism, the mechanics of 
um, ETH staking and how it's basically reduced issuance to the point where, you know, we're creating less and less and less in Ethereum every year. Ethereum is going to have like a negative inflation rate potentially in the future, whereas Bitcoin is going to be continuously inflating um, all the way up to its um, supply cap of, of 21 million in the, in the distant future. But I'm starting to wonder now if we're going to see a pivot on this narrative at, at some point, maybe not this year, but certainly possibly next year or, or the year after. If we're going to revisit the idea of the fat application thesis, the idea that applications may end up capturing the value because the value is in the users ultimately. He who controls the users really wields the power. And with that power, they can sort of capture that value. And, and I think that while this may be difficult for an application to do that is just running on Ethereum, the, the, the idea that an application may create its own chain entirely, an app chain, that to me is interesting. And I think a good example of this for you to sort of wrap your head around it is, um, is Uniswap. Now, Uniswap, for those of you who aren't familiar, is the, the preeminent original decentralized exchange. It's a protocol that exists on Ethereum. You can permissionlessly swap and add basically any asset on the planet that is an ERC-20 uh, Ethereum token. And it, it's had just tremendous success over the last couple of years, just countless, countless tens of, uh, maybe even hundreds of billions now uh, in trading volume. I, I think potentially it flips Coinbase in trading volume by the end of this year. Like this is a real behemoth in the space. It's a real example of a crypto application that has seen actual use, tremendous use, tremendous demand. People love it. The simplicity of it um, really has great product market fit. So as a Uniswap token holder, right? You may be sitting there saying, oh, okay, I understand why we want to build Uniswap on Ethereum on day one. Building on Ethereum is great because you don't have to worry about your own security budget, right? So one of the problems with like having your own blockchain is that you sort of have to inflate your token supply by quite a bit to provide incentives for people to validate your chain and provide security. And as like a newer project, like this can, this can really bury you, right? Like you have to dilute yourself and your token holders so badly. So, so building on top of ETH and outsourcing all of that security to ETH is, is, is like a real godsend to projects. But you could argue that there's a point where these projects become so large, so ubiquitous that it might make sense to them to just sort of branch off and build their own chain entirely. So from the perspective of a Uniswap holder, you may say to yourself, okay, like Uniswap is consistently like one of the largest consumers of gas on the Ethereum network, right? We're talking just massive amounts of, of gas fees that are paid and Ethereum burned um, by people using swaps on, on, on Uniswap. And currently all of that value, like 100% of it basically goes to the token holders of Ethereum. It is Ethereum gas that's being burned. The other problem is that we have something known as MEV, uh, minimum, maximum extractable value. This is sort of like a phenomenon where people who swap on Uniswap can be sandwiched attacked um, by sort of like the, 
the dark forces and the the underbrush of the, the the blockchain. There there's great power in being able to decide where in a block a transaction goes, right? Like if I see you swapping a billion dollars of ETH and I am going to have the ability to make the next Ethereum block, what I can do is insert my own $10 million swap of ETH right before your billion dollar swap. And then I can put a $10 million sell right after your, your billion dollar swap. So what I'm doing is front running you in the same way that a company like Citadel might front run you know, users on Robinhood. You buy the item before somebody big comes in and moves the price, and then you sell the item you know, effectively at the higher price that they've moved it to. It's a sandwich attack. So, so the person who front runs you gets to extract this value, and the user of the actual transaction is, is, is getting a bad deal. So as a Uniswap user, if you make big trades and you get sandwiched, like you're actually just giving up a bunch of value. And where does this value go? It goes to, it goes to uh, searchers, we call them, who are looking for, this, um, looking for this expected value in the sort of underbrush of Ethereum. But it also goes to Ethereum stakers because the people who are looking to do these sort of advanced trades under the, uh, you know, in, in the dark forest, as we call it, are often bribing the Ethereum stakers, you know, to, to get their transactions in the order that they want in that block. So there's a lot of value happening in Uniswap between the MEV, between the gas paid, that is going to Ethereum holders and not to Uniswap holders. And the same could be true of, of other applications as well that are, that are getting like a little, that are starting to get um, pretty sizable. What makes sense to me is that like as a, as a user of, of Facebook, as a user of Snapchat, as a user of Uber, right? Like we don't ever think about the protocols that Uber is built on top of. We just sort of use Uber. We open the Uber interface and we order a car. I think in the, in, in the realm of like the Uniswap and in the not too distant future, right? As we build better wallet technology that, that, that makes it easier for users to use crypto. In the same way that you just open Uber and you order an Uber and you don't think about what it's built on, I, I think in the future, like users are going to open like the Uniswap app maybe, and they just want to swap. They just want to swap dollars to Ethereum. And they don't care what protocol Uniswap is built on. They don't really care what chain the liquidity is being sourced from. They don't care any of that. They just want to use Uniswap. There's trust in the Uniswap brand, the Uniswap app. Uh, Uniswap has tremendous network work effects that give it like very, very, very good pricing, you know, for traders relative to DEXs that are smaller in size. So it makes complete sense to me that Uniswap might just to want to think of itself as its own application. So if this starts to happen, right, I think that is this good? Is this bad? Well, well, it's both because I, I think in some ways it's, it's bad for Ethereum holders because if we migrate a bunch of activity off of Ethereum, like we might not just get this infinite burn that everybody's like really excited about that's going to just perpetually drive price up to the moon because a lot of this activity may move to Uniswap chain, right? On the other hand, building applications that are better for users and you could make an argument i think that these application chains would be better for users because they would be delivering them in the case of uniswap better pricing which is what you want on a swap um, 
delivering better experiences to users also will go a long way to bringing more users into crypto, which is just good for all of crypto. So I, I don't think this is like necessarily like a net negative for ETH, but it, it might just throw a little bit of uh, cold water on this idea that everything is literally going to build, be built on top of Ethereum. All of that value is going to occur to you as an Ethereum holder. All you need to do is buy Ethereum and not worry about uh, anything else on the planet. That might not be true. So what I'm looking to do personally is to build out a sort of like little side portfolio hedge of applications that I, I think have a good chance of like launching their own chain in the future or that have already like announced that they're going to launch their own chain. I think Uniswap is a, is a really great candidate for this. It's sort of like the preeminent crypto app. And I understand that right now the token doesn't really have a value accrual method. Like if you own the token, you don't get any cash flows. It's sort of just a, a governance token. But in the event that Uniswap chain becomes a thing, like you could see the Uni token become a gas token, perhaps. And then there may be demand for it because it's a gas token. And then maybe some of the MEV that is currently distributed to ETH holders when you swap on Ethereum, maybe that gets distributed to uni, uni holders uh, on, on Uni. And then maybe in the distant future, the governance actually turns on uh, fee sharing to the Uniswap token. So that to me is a good candidate. Um, another application I really like is, is, is Aave. Aave is like one of these indispensable applications that I use all the time, the ability to put your money up as collateral and borrow against it. And to do that on multiple chains is, is super, super incredible. It's one of the oldest and you know most secure DeFi protocols. They are coming out with updates, hopefully this year, uh, like V3 is supposed to have like some really cool features in it where you can basically use Aave as, as though it's like just one interface. Like currently you have to have, you have funds on Avalanche, you have funds on Ethereum, you have funds on Polygon, you have funds on Arbitrum. Like you have to use the Aave application on each of these chains, but we may get this like portal update where you can just sort of use Aave on all chains at, at once. Your collateral can exist on all of these chains. You can borrow against it. And that, from a user's perspective, would be like uh, tremendous. And, and that to me is like what an application, you know, an Aave chain would look like anyway. The ability to just sort of aggregate all of this borrowing and lending across everything in one place. It's a simple experience for the user. You don't have to bridge. Um, makes a ton of sense to me that you could see Ave chain in the future, like again, trading, borrowing, and lending to like the biggest, <laughs> most core application use cases for DeFi. So it makes sense that these things might uh, go on their own and form their own chain. The other thing that I'm pretty interested right now, and in, in this is a project that's already announced it's going to launch its own chain. Uh, this is DYDX. DYDX is a uh, perpetual protocol. Um, built currently on Ethereum layer two. It is the most advanced, you know, one of the best applications I think that's ever been built uh, on Ethereum. Like it is, it is a, it is a perps exchange where you can in a trustless manner kind of go on there and trade leveraged derivatives. It's really, it's really cool. Uh, it's really dangerous if you don't know how to use leverage, but it's a really, really cool uh, application. And they, they announced that they're going to move to um, their own chain on Cosmos 
I believe. They're running into some ability to have the tremendous amount of data that, that an exchange requires to do that on the Ethereum chain. This is another compelling argument for why applications might want to do their own chain. It's not just so they can capture more value uh, for the token holders, like in the case of Uniswap, but like there is some functionality that is still lacking if you want to build on on ETH right now. Um, and, and in DYDX's case, it's like the ability to have like all that order book data on chain. On a related note to that, uh, Cosmos, for those of you who are interested in it, the native token of Cosmos is, is, is Atom. The whole thesis of Cosmos is sort of built around this idea that we are going to have like this internet of blockchains, that there's going to be tons of chains we use, app-specific chains, and then Cosmos is sort of this like protocol that can kind of like unite them all together where it's easy for you know applications to come in and build their their own chain um, that would make the atom token great for a narrative trade if you want to have some of that in your portfolio i'm still not sure on the value accrual method of of the atom token um, this has kind of been a thorn in the side of atom for a while uh, something i'm uh, still looking into and one more investment that i've kind of got my eyes on now I'm, I'm 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 reconsidering is the idea that i might want to actually allocate some of my portfolio to to avalanche and i think avalanche is interesting as a kind of small allocation because it's 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 a it's another kind of different bet on the idea that applications are going to want their own chains right so uh, avalanche has the ability for you to build uh, it's called a, a a subnet i believe so you can kind of launch your own chain if you're like a game or something that is like secured by the network you don't have to worry about security um, but you can also do like a lot of customization and stuff that you might want to do um, for, for your native game uh, that like some other app might might not need this is cool too for users of, of Avalanche because like the activity on a subnet, like one app on Ethereum frequently just destroys the entire network. Like if, uh, if like a very popular NFT project is minting on OpenSea, like that one project can cause gas on the rest of the Ethereum network to go to, to, go to hundreds of dollars, it, it, which is a pretty crazy concept uh, if you think about it. Um, a lot of this has been solved on Ethereum by... Um, you know, us migrating to layer twos, but one of the problems with layer twos is that you start getting a fragmentation of liquidity, right? Like if people start putting Ethereum on Optimism, Ethereum on Arbitrum, Ethereum on Mainnet, all that ETH is like split apart. It like can't just be easily exchanged for one another. We have to use bridges and build this other infrastructure for that to happen. Whereas on, on Avalanche, they have this thing, I think it's called a warp where, you know, tokens can sort of like easily go back and forth between these 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 subnets um i think this is like more of a, a stretch idea i i think the idea that they're going to perfectly execute this and it's going to uh be functional and great and take tons of market share from ethereum i i, I think that is like by you know th that is not at all a foregone conclusion and that that is something i think is probably still not going to happen but i think as an investor even if you have like a very strong very strong feelings about a thesis like i have about ethereum I think it's wise to hedge. It's wise to make other bets that can do really, really well in the event that your main thesis goes wrong. And for me, that's probably investing in other chains that kind of are friendly to the 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 app thesis. The uh, the those investments would be like Atom 
uh, Avalanche. And that would be investing in applications that are already launching or that may launch their own chain, such as uh, DYDX, uh, Aave, uh, Uniswap, uh, and, and so forth. All right. So hope that was useful for you guys. Hope I didn't get a little, uh, little too much down the rabbit hole there. I know we started, started talking about some advanced concepts like uh, MEV, that sort of thing. Uh, if any of that was confusing to you, uh, feel free to drop me a message on, on Twitter anytime. I, I uh, try to respond when I uh, can find your message uh, as it's lost in the endless uh, NFT spam that I'm getting, unfortunately. But you can follow me there at Steven Cesaro. That uh, handle is in the show notes if you, you, you can't spell that. Uh, also, friendly reminder that uh, I do have a crypto Discord where we talk about not just crypto, but also all the other things in life that we uh, that, that we care about: health, technology, all that good stuff. You can find that at uh, alfalfapod.com. We got the Discord link there. Um, come join, come chat crypto with other people who love this stuff uh, as much as I do. So, hope to see you in there, and I will have another episode for you guys next week. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.